Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. (laughs) Yes, it's so exciting. We actually, our guest today, we're changing things up a little bit, right? We've had a lot of board members, a lot of superintendents on the podcast. We're going to change it up a little bit. So we actually have a very special guest. We have Diane Johannes. But before we jump into the interview, I want to give a shout out to our co-host, Corinne French. Hey, I'm so glad to be here again today. Yes, yes. It's exciting. It's so exciting. So we've, we've, we've talked about a lot of different perspectives in education, right? A lot of different, I mean, people are, some people are leaving the business world, coming to education. Some are you know, teachers that become superintendents, just some amazing things happen. So Diane has a very unique background and it has to do with, she was in education and she went into the business world. And you see that happen in school districts a lot. You see it happen with some times people retire, right? They retire uh, as an educator, they go into the business world. Sometimes people just decide, you know, maybe a teacher decides that, hey, I don't want to be a teacher anymore, or at least not for the time being. And I want to go into the business world. And Diane has a lot of experiences around that, but I don't want to steal her thunder. So Diane, uh, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thank you so much, Gary. It's so good to see you and Corinne. Always good to talk to you guys. And it's always wonderful when you can talk to people of like passions and purpose. So I'm just glad to be here. And it's really an honor just to get to share my story. I don't know that it's special, but it is special to me. So hopefully it might mean something to someone today. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Diane and I have known each other a while. and just through some of the conversations we've had on the podcast, I thought her story could be relevant. So uh, if, if you don't mind, Diane, kind of tell us a little about your background in public education and, and how you got to where you are today. Super. Okay. Yeah. So Gary, so I started back in public education in the eighties, which now seems like a long time ago. <laughs> um, and it makes me dated. And so I'm okay with that because um, I'm still here, but I started out as an elementary school teacher So my background was K-6, obviously, and um, just, you know, teaching kids in that classroom setting um, in a public school. And then I made a transition into administration, and then that led me into a path of being a school board member for 12 years. And then as I decided I was ready to retire from being a school board member and from that aspect of it, I had some transition going on in my life. And, um, and I just knew, I feel like every time I made a transition, it was, you just, I don't know, I, I've heard it said, you're no or no's, you know, like you just start there's, and it wasn't necessarily, I didn't love what I was doing because I did, but sometimes I've found that you have to leave what's good, maybe for what's best at that time in your life. So it was just a natural organic thing of, Hey, I feel like I need to do this next. It's good for my family. And so whenever I decided to, you know, not run for school board anymore and to kind of see that door close, it was like, I don't even know what this is going to be like. I was still passionate about education. My purpose had not changed. I loved helping kids. You know, I loved being that person that they could trust and learn from and, you know, and that I could lead them and maybe make an impact, obviously. And um, so it was kind of like, what do I do? And this is going to sound crazy. I went on LinkedIn and found all the folks that I knew that were in all kinds of different fields and just said, you know what, I'm not sure what the next chapter looks like, but I'm looking and 
let me know if there's something that I, you know, have that might be of interest to you. I was shocked. I had people reach out to me from the military, from aviation, to healthcare, to hospitality, to design and fashion. And I thought, okay, I'm a teacher. But then you realize that when you're a teacher and you're an educator, you really touch so many different things in your field. There's so many requirements that you have to have. And so I was very humbled by all the people that reached out to me. And then I wound up going with a vendor that um, I was very familiar with. And so I worked for that company and um, it actually brought me to Texas. I'd always been in Florida. My whole life was Florida. I'm Florida native. And um, so when I moved to Dallas, people you know, found out, wait, you moved from Florida to Texas. Didn't you realize that that's not how this is done? And um, I said, but it was my path. And um, my main adjustment was not having water nearby because um, I was downtown Dallas. But anyway, so I worked with that vendor for about seven or eight years. And, um, and then now I've changed to a different role as well. But, uh, but that was kind of the path that I took. And um, so I think, you know, looking at it, and it's like you said, um, it wasn't ever anything of, I don't want to be a teacher anymore, or I have angst against education or public education or whatever. It was just the path that I took. And, um, and it really was a good springboard for me to be able to do um, what I'm doing today. So that was a long answer, but... No, it's well. It's wonderful because when I first met you, that's I, you know, you're you're talking about being a teacher and then a school board member, and I just love that because I'm a school board member but wasn't a formal teacher, and I love first I just love that I love that we have that connection, but you said something that I want to kind of maybe dive deeper into is how did I mean, was it a risk to ask those people on LinkedIn because I feel like that's something that I I feel like that. Maybe it's not just a gender thing for women, but we might not have the confidence to put ourselves out there like that. I mean, talk more about that. Like, did you hit send and like, were you like, I'm not going to look at it for two days until I see the responses or or, (laughs) describe that? Well, that's true. So I reached out a few different ways. I reached out to people that I knew personally, you know, picked up the phone and said, hey, you know, you're in my circle of trust. This is, you know, I just feel like my life is going to take a new turn. I don't even know what it looks like. And so I sent them my resume first and said, you know, would you even talk to me? And these are friend, friends, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. And the response was, yes. Are you kidding me? You know, do you realize all the components that you have coming from public education? And so then I went on LinkedIn and I picked, you know, handpicked people. And then I sent them private messages on there. And um, yes, with fear and trembling, But um, I feel like my entire life has always been that being afraid is not a reason to not do something. Mm. Uh, Obviously, if it's dangerous, I could die, then I'm I'm not going to do it. But Mm. if it's just, you know, you get that nervousness inside and you feel insecure. I've always told my kids, just do it afraid. You will get comfortable eventually. And, you know, on the outside, I might look cool as a cucumber on the inside. It's like everything's jumping up and down. And so I sent it and I just trusted. Like, I felt like, okay, you know, there's somebody, something that's directing my path anyway. So it took a little bit of the pressure off. And I just felt like, you know, what's going to, what's supposed to come back is going to come back. And, and it really did. And I mean, honestly, like I said, I was shocked, you know, as the messages started coming in and people are saying, Hey, call me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, And it was humbling and it was very flattering at the same time. Cause I thought, Oh, 
you know, because I don't know how you are, Corinne or Gary, but, you know, you can look like you're super confident on the outside, but I think we all have that feeling of, you know, am I really good enough or do I really have what it takes to do, you know, do these other things? And so getting that affirmation, even if I didn't get a job with them, just the fact that they were willing to go, hey, let's talk and see if we can figure out, you know, where you would fit in. It was amazing. Okay, so you made so you reached out on LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. And you're making this transition. And I know I've had some transitions in my career where like you think it's one thing, but then actually you make the transition. It's like, that's not quite what I thought it was. And just for those, you know, that are in public education that are thinking about making a transition, whether it's, you know, them retiring or whatnot, whatever the situation may be, they, uh, what are some things to keep in mind so they don't end up on the, you know, the quote, greener grass that isn't so green? Well, and, and this is, this is very important. I'm glad you brought this up because as you were saying that, I thought, okay, I thought for sure I had one job. Like I had one company that just, you know, reached out to me. They put me through training. It was, I was the perfect candidate. Nobody had ever hit all these boxes or done, you know, the things that they were able to see me do. And so thought it was a done deal. And I had that company and then another company were there. And all of a sudden I don't hear anything. And I'm like, okay. Cause I knew I was ending like I, and I, I will say this, it's not good to leave, you know, one thing before you have the next thing, right? Um, if you can possibly do that, if you're in that, you know, driver's seat. And so that didn't work out. And my, my life stream was always to be a public speaker or to be able to, you know, do leadership things and share with people. And this job would have fit that to a T. So and it was close. It was closer to Pensacola. So that's where I was from. I wouldn't have to move. It just seemed like it checked off all the boxes and then nothing. And so I reached out and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to get back with you. And then when they did get back with me, it was, we, this is great, but not for a year. And so, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, I know I couldn't wait a year because I knew what I was doing was going to come to an end. And so then when the other door opened up, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, then this is what's meant to be. However, it was in Texas. So it was a big step because I'm leaving my entire life and my family. And that may not seem like a big deal to people that have moved a lot, but that was my security. You know, that's what I was comfortable with. I love Florida. And, um, but I knew, okay, you know, I put this out there and I know I'm supposed to do it. So I think that, um, a couple of boxes that had to be checked for me, Gary, to answer your question is, is it something, does it still meet my passion? Is it something that I will want to get up every morning and I'm going to be passionate about? And what about it makes me passionate still, right? What's the purpose of this? And how does it connect to like um, Corinne said, my core values, the things that I feel like are important for me to be able to say I'm making a difference or whatever. And, um, and so the company that I went with, obviously, was the one that gave me the job, but one of their core values was, you know, respect and integrity and collaboration and innovation. So I felt like I wouldn't be in a box, that I would be able to have a voice, which was important, and that I'd make a difference for students. So even though I left education in the sense of a classroom teacher or an administrator, now I went to being a vendor that works with school districts. And um, one of the things I loved about my job was that it was 
designed to help districts save money on areas that they might be overspending on. And, um, you know, and maybe just not be aware, hey, here's a better way to do this. So um, it was still relational, which I'm super relational. I know both of you guys, so, you know, I'm touchy-feely and, and that person. Um, and so, you know, it had to meet that emotional need for me of I'm making a difference. It's not just about the paycheck, even though I have to get paid, um, like most people, but it couldn't be just driven by the paycheck. I decided no matter what, they can offer me a lot of money, but if it doesn't have those boxes, I can't do it. Mm, that's good. So I, I have a question. What are you doing? What? Sorry, go ahead, Corinne. Oh, well, I was, I was going to shift for a second because 12 years on the your board in Florida mm -hmm. and prior to that, an educator in the classroom, I have two questions. So one, what are some tips for educators that become board members? Because I think mm -hmm. sometimes we love them. Sometimes we don't like them. Like, I'm just kind of just being honest. Like, sure. Some boards might be like, you know, the, the former teachers, you know, might always be asking things that are real low in the weeds and they've got a their hat needs to shift. And now they're in governance. They're not in the actual tactical role. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was like one kind of like transition from that space to that space. Do you have any tips? And then maybe a, a follow-up question or maybe added on to that is, is tips for those years in, of service. I'm, I'm on year 10 and I'm up for re-election for another three-year term. And how did you stay engaged, connected, keeping your core values? I mean, being an elected official, it, it couldn't have been easy those 12 years. I imagine, you know, so to one from one space to the next and then how did you keep keep it going you know and I, I think again it, it goes back to the core value right you have to be true to yourself and hold on to that you know like I don't care what you say at the end of the day I have to look at myself before I go to bed at night and go well tomorrow maybe I need to do better or here's what I missed on right and then the next day encourage myself to stay true to that and so coming on the board as a teacher uh, it was a challenge uh, just because I wasn't in governance before, right? I was an educator. And, but I realized that I needed to first listen, learn, and then lead. Like I needed to get their respect. And, and that's just how I've done my entire career. When I first get to the table, I don't need to talk. I need to listen mm -hmm. and earn and hear them and know who they are. And as they get to know me, then they'll respect me. And then as I'm learning, you know, after I listened, I learned, and then I'm able to lead to those things, you know, because that way I felt like that I valued their opinion, their perspective, and their, you know, perception on what needed to happen in schools. Of course, I could chime in as, well, from the classroom perspective, maybe we want to, you know, let's look at this. And, you know, and so it was more well-received because sometimes, you know, you want to get in there as a gangbuster and you're going to fix everything. Um, just because there's a change in school board members doesn't mean that there was terrible things going on. I was fortunate, the district I was in in Florida, 20, you know, they were the number one school district academically. And the lady that I ran against had been a board member for 20 years. So why would they change, right? I mean, it's not broken. Why are we fixing it? And, um, you know, so my platform was not the school board is terrible. It was just, I felt like I could bring a different perspective to the table than was what, you know, represented at the time. And then how did I stay on there 12 years and what made it 12 years? Um, that 
you know, as long as I was passionate about it and I felt like I could keep bringing something to the table and that there were things that I really felt were important that hadn't been accomplished yet, if I could move that down the field and, you know, I kind of had a list when I started like, you know, this is kind of my goals for where I want to be. And I continued until I got to the end of that. And I knew that my passion for the district was strong, but my my, um, passion for that position was not the same. Mm, And so, um, and I did have like my superintendent, he he was teasing, but he said, we're going to do a write-in. Even if you don't run, we're going to write your name in. And we're going to you know, do a campaign to have everybody write you in, which, of course, I'm not going to they weren't going to do that. But, you know, and he asked me, he said, are you sure? And I said, I know I'm sure. And I said, you don't want me on the board if I'm sure I shouldn't be there. And so he respected that. So I just think, you know, again, it comes back to that purpose and my passion. And if I can check off those boxes, you know, and some things weren't accomplished, but they were in motion. And I knew that the vision of the of the board was going to get them done. I absolutely. Uh, I- I absolutely love listen, learn, lead. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. And then I love what you just said about passion for the district when it wasn't passion for the position anymore. Um, that's, that, I mean, I'm like mind blown with that because you can confuse passion for something with the need to have a position or, or even take a position or something. And that, that's just beautiful because your passion doesn't always have to align with a position. That's beautiful. (laughs) You know, and it's funny because, you know, that is my driving force. When I was a teacher, and it wasn't, again, because I didn't need the money, but I remember at that time, they still gave you a paper check. (laughs) And our our, um, receptionist or secretary at the front office would call me and be like, Miss Coleman, your check is still in your box. You need to come get it. And it wasn't that I didn't need the money, but I just loved what I did. And, and I think that's led me through my transitions of, you know, is it time to move because there's some hunger that starts in me going, I think I need to do something different. And, you know, so I just made a transition um, last year and, um, you know, in the company that I work with now, you know, it's, I'm so passionate about it because it is unbelievable how we're reducing gaps and closing gaps for kids in healthcare in the school systems. And, um, you know, so it's funny, I get up every day and I'm like, they pay me to do this. Like, that is such a bonus. But the fact that I know that there's kids that are, you know, being seen that we're missing out on services and all. So it's just a different, you know, it's a different way of, of being part of education, you know, but if you ask me, I'm an educator today, you know, either I'm educating on what I'm doing and what people need or I'm educating, you know, somebody helping them, you know, do their math homework or reading or whatever. Um, But at the end of the day, it's an influence. To me, that's really what a teacher is, is you're influencing through educating. You know, it it makes me think like there's so many different ways to support public education. I mean, from you know, being a teacher, school board, administration, working for a company that supports public education. There's just so many ways to get involved. PTO. I mean, the, I, I'm learning new ways. I think every time we have a conversation with someone on the podcast. So uh, very exciting. Well, I know we're running short on time. Um, Corinne, do you want to ask any last questions or you want me to throw one out there? I'll let you. And, and if, and if uh, and I'll let you, cause I know I talked a lot today. Oh, wow. You put me on the spot now. Oh, no, I have yeah. one. Oh, you got one? All right. You are I have one. Last one, so I have one. So <laughs> Diane, 
biggest wish or hope for public ed right now? We can, uh, people who are listening to this might listen to it two or three years from now. They could be listening to it. Maybe somehow they don't, don't realize that we are in a global pandemic. Um, what are some like just big dreams for public ed as we are coming out of, it looks like coming out of a global pandemic. Gary's big on using, um, being innovative. Like, can we be doing something different in education? Can we be saving money here? Can we be changing something here? And he's more like that. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Um, so coming, knowing all of this, do you have some big hopes or dreams or ways that you see public ed as we go forward? Some wishes, some thoughts, those of us who are still in the governing role, tips, anything like that for us? I think that the biggest thing is recognizing, number one, that we've all gone through this and that it hasn't been easy. And there was no playbook previously. So to me, it's like being a parent and you get that baby and you can read all the books in the world, but when you have to do it, you know, you're just navigating and making decisions every day. And so I think that realizing that it hasn't been easy for anyone. And, and then I think if we can get back to respect and, you know, I know we all have our, you know, what, what's important to us, but at the end of the day, I just feel like that teachers, you know, it's not easy what they do. It's not easy what nurses do. You know, it's really not been easy for most anyone throughout this whole pandemic. And I think if we can think of it and keep the purpose as the center you know, when we drift away from this is about kids and helping them grow and develop and be productive citizens, that if we as educators can model what that looks like, when we're talking to each other, we're respectful. When, you know, when we're talking to each other, we're listening. You know, we're going to, I'm going to learn from you. I learned from you guys today, you know, and then I can take that. And then that helps me lead to where we need to go as educators. And, and also giving ourselves a break. Like, you know what, it's okay if I'm exhausted or if I was overwhelmed or if, you know, I, I felt like I was at the end of my rope. It's okay because all of this meant it could lead to those feelings, right? And uh, so I just think, you know, working as, as a team as well, you know, acknowledging those folks that are doing great things and coming alongside those folks that need help. Um, I don't think any of us on the call today can say, you know, I'm here today because of myself. You know, I realized that I had the best support system and I still do with my family and my kids and my husband and, you know, and just realizing that and just going back to why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I passionate about it? Is it my purpose? And, you know, every day when I get up, do I want to go do it? And if you don't, you got to step back and go, okay, maybe I need to change something or, okay, you know, when they bring me something new to the table. I got to step back and go, is it best for kids? If I'm in education, especially, you know, is this the best interest of the kids? And I'm I going to get the support from the school board members in the district to be, you know, have the tools I need to be able to do this. And then realizing that it's a team effort. You know, we don't, we don't win together and lose independently. We lose together and we win together. Mm, that's good. That's really Love good. it. Yeah, this, this has been really cool. So, um, Diane, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I know you're a, a busy lady and, and you have a lot going on. And uh, any, any uh, last thoughts before we close out? Just, I'm so honored to be here today. Like I said, you know, I don't know if my story is great for anybody else, but if it can encourage anybody or maybe I shared something, then, you know, I'll feel good about today. And, and again, it's always great to see both of you and 
And I appreciate that you're doing this for folks. I think it makes a difference for folks that get to see it. And, um, you know, I've seen some of them and it is just awesome. So keep up the good work. Thank you for being our guest. It was lovely. As, as always, every time I get to talk to you and I, we want to have you on again, because I think there would be, there's more to say that we can say in another episode, like part two about transitioning from one space to the next. And even taking that, um, even the comparison of how maybe it's easier um, at different times in our life to make transition because my kids are older now. So I feel like making transitions might be a little easier for me. Gary's got those three young ones at home and transition can be harder, like in the different stages of our life. So it might be fun to have you come back on and dive real deep into that transition work. Okay. I'll be glad anytime. I appreciate it. Awesome. And before we close out, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact is providing funding to school districts and using technology to do that doesn't cost schools one penny up front and it's guaranteed. So if you are interested in getting more funding for your district to be used for anything, unrestricted funds, reach out to I Do Impact and stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast.